washed the last of the holiday dishes, survived Black Friday, and sent the in-laws back to wherever they came from. So it's time to sit back and relax, because this, my friends, is Spaced Out Sunday. My name is Everett Themer, and we are happy to welcome Kingdom of Nye Radio and Revolution Radio to tonight's broadcast. As always, if you miss any part of the show... You can listen to our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including picking up a Team Stump coffee mug in the SOR vault. And let's face it, coffee always tastes better in a Team Stump coffee mug. Rocking out to some Bumblefoot and joining the Space Travelers Club where for five bucks a month you'll find us always talking about some kinds of weirdness and oddities in the forums, hanging out in the chat room, and, and, and generating some exclusive content for you guys. It, it's always a ton of fun in there. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Please head on over to Spaced Out Radio's official charity, chivecharities.org, as we work to make the world 10% better. Tonight, we are joined by Katie Stafford. Hey, hey, how are you? Hold on just a second. We, we got to finish this intro. Katie is known as the paranormal mad scientist because of his continuing research and experiments designed to push paranormal research equipment to the edge, hopefully making it more reliable and user-friendly. As a member of Supernatural Inc., he consults with groups on how to make their paranormal events memorable and rooted in history and truth. He has worked behind the scenes as a consultant on various TV productions and is most recognized as the tech advisor on Travel Channel's Ghosts of Morgan City. Katie, thank you so much for closing out the holiday weekend with us. I'm really glad you could be here. Well, thank you. It's good to talk to you, and I apologize for cutting in on you like that. <laughs> that that's quite all right your your channel was actually still muted so you know accidents oh, okay. happen accidents <laughs> happen and it's a uh it's a holiday weekend so we're we're gonna run a little free and loose here okay that, that's that's the way we do it on sundays i like it i like it <laughs> so you've kind of come to prominence with the travel channels show the ghost of morgan city but this is something that you've been interested in for a long time. And I want to get into how you began to experiment with some of this, some of this equipment and, and some of the ideas that you've kind of brought to fruition. But I want to know first, how did you get into the paranormal in the beginning? Were you an experiencer? Did you have things happen to you or was it just something you were drawn to? Well, I've had experiences you know, um, previous to really getting into paranormal research, uh, as early as like eight years old, I think it was my earliest, um, experiment experience. And that was in like a haunted house or what I remember to be a haunted house. Um, and you know, it, ever since, I mean, well, not ever since then, just kind of as I've grew up and you know i've always had a, a lifelong interest in weird stuff paranormal stuff i remember when i was a kid you know we didn't have the internet <clears throat> so we had like three or four they were like three or four um books and it was like uh the i, I can't remember the name of them but it was like a whole like a little encyclopedia 
set, but it was like encyclopedia of weird or something like that. And, uh, so there was like four or five, three or four books, I think. And, um, and, you know, I just consumed those books over and over and over again. It had everything from spontaneous human combustion to UFOs to, you know, uh, ghosts and demonic possession and, and everything else. So I kind of, you know, devoured any kind of information I got on it, on anything weird, pretty much my entire life. Um, and then, you know, I was in the army from 2000, let's six, seven, 2007 to 2014. And, um, so when I got out, you know, I, me and my wife had decided, cause she's always had an interest in the same stuff as well. So we decided that we were going to kind of go start doing things publicly, you know, um, start kind of publishing our work online or, you know, cause we saw everybody else was doing it. And we had just, you know, spent five years in Germany, kind of cut off <laughs> from uh, from kind of how the uh, social media and everything was developing kind of in the U.S. So we were kind of getting it all from, from Germany, which was a little weird, I think. Um, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> but um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I decided to just start doing things more publicly and then you know i had all these ideas for tech things that i wanted to try because i saw you know like bill chapel right um i think he's kind of the one that kind of inspired me to start making things um start experimenting with with tech um he was kind of the first one i saw making things that were outside of the box you know, like outside of a EMF detector and a recorder. <clears throat> and right. I thought that was cool. And so I started, you know, experimenting with all and stuff. And, <clears throat> you know, it turns out though, like is I have this, I have this method where I try to like isolate myself kind of, but not, not necessarily isolate myself, but um, when I start working on something, you know, a lot of people will, will get as much information on that technology or whatever's been done in that area as possible. I would try to like sort of isolate myself from all that other stuff that had already been done and try to do it kind of on my own. And uh, I think that's that's probably why a lot of my work seems so different. <laughs> um some things you kind of you kind of want to stay on the the same um, wavelength as what's been worked on before in the past, and then some things I feel like have been kind of beaten to death, and right. and people get tunnel vision with things like EMF detectors and stuff like that, you know. So um, yeah, it just kind of Bill Chapel kind of inspired me to want to try different types of tech during investigations. And, uh, you know, when he came on ghost adventures and they, they were using all his different stuff and, which I don't really watch a lot of the TV shows, <clears throat> but, um, oh, you dropped out a little bit there. Oh, I said, Bill Chapel definitely had an influence on me. 
um, as far as, you know, developing tech goes. Well, you, and, you, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that you mentioned that you had served in, in Germany and, and we love our vet, <clears throat> excuse me. We love our veterans here and, and thank you for your service. I wanted oh, to know what what inspires you or where do you get your ideas to think out of the box a little bit? Because some of the stuff that you have developed is is certainly different from what a lot of, of people would would use, but yet it's still sort of rooted in the basics and, and holding on to the same concepts as a lot of the technology. You're just pushing it a little farther. Well, I think probably the best example of what you just described with me would be like the ghost helmet. I don't know if you've seen that or not. It was um, the last episode of Ghost of Morgan City, actually. Uh, Jeremy wore the helmet. Yeah, I saw and, that. Can, uh, you, can you describe that? Well, go into what inspired you about to, to develop that, and then let's talk about that a little bit because that's a pretty interesting device. Okay, <laughs> so um, when I when we got started doing our you know more um, documented paranormal work um, since we moved here to Kansas City, uh, you know I, I, I began working with a lot of psychics and stuff. You know, it kind of comes with the territory. That's just part of the you know uh, part of the the game or whatever the field. So. You know, you, you end up working with a lot of psychics, a lot of mediums, and you start working with people who are seeing things that you can't see, experiencing things that you can't experience. And it, it didn't matter what, what I had with me, what kind of technology I had with me, it would, it would, I would not, I would never be able to see these things that they're seeing, or like I said, experience the things they're experiencing. So, I started looking into like um, paranormal experiences and, you know, how they, how could they be induced or is there some sort of way to make our brains work in a certain way where we can see or experience these things that we can't normally see and experience. And so then I stumbled on the God helmet and it's funny because when I was a kid, I had read about the God helmet <clears throat> and I think I saw something on the news or something about the God helmet. And basically what the God helmet does is it uses electromagnetic fields, low intensity electromagnetic fields to basically, well, what they thought they were doing was duping the brain into having these paranormal experiences. <clears throat> now they were approaching it from angle of going to disprove paranormal activity. And so they would set up this whole experiment in a, like a, a walk-in Faraday cage, so no, ex, you know, so no external stray magnetic fields or anything could interfere. And um, they, would, they had subjects who would wear the helmet, and they would kind of record their experiences, and they put them out. And I think, ultimately, they, they realized that there was something a little bit more paranormal going on to this than they thought initially. And also, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, is the idea of EMF being a factor in 
paranormal activity kind of came from that same experiment, the same God helmet experiment, because that's what they were insinuating is that low intensity magnetic fields fluctuations would cause paranormal activity or cause you to think paranormal activity was happening. Excuse now, me. So now the God helmet was, if if I remember correctly, was initially developed in the nineties, and the general premise was to sort of affect the brain in a mm-hmm. way that it would cause somebody to 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 feel like they've had some sort of experience, right? Yes. They, basically, they were saying they were tricking you into having a hallucination or um, imagining that you were having a paranormal experience or a God experience or some sort of religious or experience. Okay. So that, that's kind of that was their angle. That's how they set out to 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 conduct their experiments is to disprove paranormal activity. Like I said, I think in the end, they ended up with, you know, because uh, the, the uh, neuroscientist's name was Dr. Michael Persinger. And uh, Stanley Corrin was the engineer who built it, the God Helmet. <clears throat> and so I think ultimately they ended up with, we're not really sure what's going on here because they still actually, I felt that same helmet set up line. Uh, where I saw I saw a website. I don't know if they actually sell it or not, but I'm sure they do. I'm sure you can buy one somewhere. But um, so basically, I said I like that idea. And when I looked at their results, I saw that people were having these potentially genuine paranormal experiences. I mean, all it takes is the difference in opinion for it to go from a genuine paranormal experience to a hallucination and i thought well if i can build something that will operate similarly then use this this device in allegedly haunted locations um then maybe you know we if if we could get some kind of evidence that would that would validate what you were seeing and then compare that or, you know, validate that compared to other activity that happened at that location. Maybe that would put them in the helmet. So how is your helmet different from what they developed back then? And I'm going to tell you ahead of time here, we are having some issues with Skype. So okay. maybe at the break, if it doesn't if it doesn't clear up, we might uh, during the break reconnect and see if we get a better connection. Okay. So so the helmet that I I built is um, it's essentially the same, meaning that it operates using electromagnetic fields. I use electromagnetic coils that I fire in a certain way to you know, aimed at a certain part of your brain to induce, um, a certain, um, well, what they, they would describe it as inducing a hallucination. I I describe it as, um, retraining your brain waves sort of temporarily. So, 
so I, I basically came up with my own design. Yes, I put it all out just because that was like the best thing that worked. It, it, it worked as far as putting all the the hardware on and the, for it being adjustable, so I can place the the EM coil directly over the spot on your head where I need that I need to. So it ended up working out best. So <clears throat> I decided to go with that. And also I felt like there was a, there was a, an added um, level of, of like a meditative state that, that needed to be added to the situation. So I started experimenting with different things with that. And that's when I found brain entrainment. Um, so that added LEDs to the near your eyes to sort of flash in a sequence that mimics your brain activity during different uh, brain waves. So, you know, your delta waves, your alpha waves, beta waves, gamma waves, not get the theta waves. No, there's gamma waves. So, so could you, um, could you program this to... Uh you can essentially program it the these LEDs to kind of blink in a way that would it help induce more quickly sort of a meditative yeah. or relaxed state yeah i think it for people like me who have a problem like settling into that meditative state uh it definitely helps so i i, I knew that would help as far as the meditative state goes so if i could get you there then the helmet would do the rest. And it seems to be working pretty well. Um, we've got, we've had a lot of good results. I have about four or five of them out to other researchers. And they're also using uh, the helmet in their own experiments. And we kind of, you know, they kind of report back to me, hey, this bunch of cool stuff happened. Uh, we had, you know, these people, like half of the people had experiences, the other half didn't. And that's usually the way it turns out. And I kind of chalk that up to if you, you know, it's kind of like being hypnotized. Hypnotized okay. into a different state. And if you're not very susceptible to hypno hip to being hypnotized, then odds are the helmet won't work for you either. So it's not like a surefire, hey, you put this helmet on, you're going to see ghosts. Unfortunately, nothing in the paranormal field works that way. Right, so. of course. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically the helmet in a nutshell. Now, have you been able to sort of cross-reference the results of using this helmet with any other kind of equipment, or have you used it in in conjunction with other equipment that's kind of verified what the person yes, is experiencing? As a matter, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> um, one of the first public kind of experiments that we did with it, um, we had a um, a medium wear the helmet in a haunted location. It was at the um, Randolph County Infirmary in Indiana. Okay. And um, so we had her wear the helmet, and I knew what had happened in the room we were in herself. And um so they I mean they even knew exactly where she did it. So and they told me all this stuff. So 
and I didn't know who was going to be wearing the helmet at that point. So when I went down to kind of set up the, um, I kind of aimed the chair in the direction where this person would be looking at the spot where this nurse allegedly hung herself and, you know, hoping that, okay, if, if everything lines up right, then she should get something here. Right. I mean, you would think, and as it turned out, uh, we did, we got something, uh, she started seeing something almost immediately after she opened her eyes from her, you know, going meditative state. And, uh, so she opened her eyes and she starts seeing something immediately. It's, she says there's something suspended in front of her, kind of hovering in front of her. Uh, it looks like a person elevated off the floor right in front of her. And they just pointed right in direction herself. And, you know, I, I was blown away at first. And then um, there was a person with an SLS camera in the room. They come, they sweeped around behind me and the medium and they pointed the camera in that direction and they also got a figure on the sls camera at the same time um in the same spot so pretty interesting that so, that was the first validation that i that i really got uh, aside from myself having experiences with a helmet i mean that was the first time any that was the first time it was validated by a secondary piece of equipment. So somebody could be wearing one of these helmets and not only would they experience or, or, or draw paranormal activity to themselves, but it can be seen and measured or experienced by people around them. Yes. Uh, to, to a degree. Now that's another thing is that, being it works off of EM, EM coils firing in a crazy pattern, I think that that may be also providing some sort of EM pump-like effect that that could maybe that might act as a beacon uh, for things to track things, uh, track activity. Oh, cool. Katie, I'm going to get you to hold on for just a second because we are going to step out okay. for our first break and we're going to see if we can can work on the Skype issue. We will be right back right. after these messages. Looking for the stories of the strange and weird that you will find hard to find anywhere else? Check out the SOR Newswire on our website. Our writers, led by Captain Shirk, are scouring the world for the oddest and most bizarre stories we can find. Everything from weird crime to suspenseful and paranormal. We're working hard for you to bring you the most intriguing news of your day. Check out the SOR Newswire at spacedoutradio.com today. Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. Hey, Spaced Out Radio fans, it's John Rezig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. 
We live in a world of mystery and uncertainty, which you guys know better than anyone. Sometimes you just need to be brought back down to earth for a while. One of the best ways to stay grounded is to help out with your fellow earthlings. And there's no more rewarding way to do that than to give through Chive Charities. Unlike many organizations, we don't necessarily aim to save the world, cure disease, or change the course of history. Our goal is to make the life of veterans, first responders, and those with rare medical conditions 10% happier. We do this by donating one grant item, ranging from dance to therapy programs to prosthetic limbs, to those who need it most. Chive Charities is nothing without our donors, an amazing group of underdogs helping underdogs. To contribute to Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to chivecharities.org and become a donor today. Are you addicted to the woo? Good. Me too. This is Dave Scott, and you can woo it up with me every Monday through Friday, starting at 9.06 Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, for three hours of great entertainment in the subjects you love. UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, intuition, yes, we hit it all five days a week. Look for us at spacedoutradio.com, where together, my friends, we own the night. You wanted new SOR gear, and now you can have it. The SOR Vault is fully stocked with t-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and everything in between with great logos for you to choose from. So head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on the SOR Vault, and go shopping. Pricing is quite affordable, and you can look good representing your favorite show. So go to our website and pick up your new SOR wear at the SOR Vault today. A timepiece is a reflection of who you are. And what better way to show off the real you than with an Escape watch? Escape is a lifestyle brand accessorizing your days and nights. Choose to escape and create the life of discovery that you deserve. Dream, play, unite with your own personalized Escape watch. Head to escapewatches.com. There is no time like the present to enjoy your escape. Use promo code SMF2017 for your 20% discount today. Move over, brother! And let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. From the heartlands of Canada to beards around the world, we know how to take care of you. Fill your follicles with the Mighty Moose Beard Oil. All our oils and balms are handmade and 100% natural ingredients because we care about your beard. And hey, use the promo code SOR2019 and get your Mighty Moose Beard Oil today. You can check us out on our website, MightyMooseBeard.com. We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. 
Heading to Vancouver and looking for some great nightlife? The Moose Vancouver is the place to be. Catch a game on one of the big screens or just come rock out to your favorite 80s and 90s hair bands. Great food starting at $6.95. The Moose Vancouver is open until 2 a.m. nightly. It's easy to find near the corner of Nelson and Granville. The Moose Vancouver is the official rocking bar of Spaced Out Radio. Looking for something new to push your limits? Look beyond the spectrum. A new docu-series featuring some of the best researchers in the world when it comes to everything from UFOs, government cover-ups, and strange humanoids. Truth Seekers Stephen Bassett, Jeff Meldrum, Jack Kasher, and Stan Friedman, among others, all chip in to bring their knowledge to you. Beyond the Spectrum can be found on Amazon as well as Tubi TV. Tell us what you think on our Amazon page. Welcome back to Spaced Out Sundays. I'm your host, Everett Themer. Thank you for spending your evening with us. Don't forget, if you've missed any part of the show, you can check out our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do us the favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to some Bumblefoot, shopping in the SOR vault, joining the Space Travelers Club, and so much more. Before the break, we were talking to Katie Stafford of Ghost of Morgan City about his helmet that he's developed. And we're going to switch gears here a little bit, and we're going to talk ghost boxes because those are one of the things that, you know, I was initially a skeptic on these, and through working with Bill Hauser over time, I've really switched my opinion quite a bit, and... and Katie has developed some different uh, different devices and, and, and has quite a knowledge of the history and use of these things. So, so Katie, thank you for joining us again on this holiday weekend. Hopefully, we've, we've corrected the Skype issue, and now it's time to talk some ghost boxes. All right. So, My favorite. <laughs> excellent. I, I, it's hard to start out talking about ghost boxes without talking about Frank Sumption. I mean, he was kind of the the leader of the pack regarding these, wasn't he? In, in the sense that we know ghost boxes as yes, he um, is to my knowledge, he was the first one to actually make a sweeping ghost box or sweeping radio style ghost box. Um, Now, now before he, before he, before he developed that, didn't people just take a a a standard radio and they would just kind of turn the dial back and forth? Well, it wasn't even so much as that. Um, it was more uh, radio was used basically more for the white noise. Okay. So 
So you would be looking more at like tuning to an open station and just letting it sit on the white noise that's coming through and uh, recording for EVP. And um, but what you, but there were other devices, um, but they they weren't as much radio based. I mean, as far as ghost communication devices, uh, you had the Spearcom, which came out, you know. George Meeks and Bill O'Neill are infamously famous for, for developing that. And that was, they were doing that work, I believe in the eighties, um, late seventies, early eighties. Um, so, you know, the idea, and, and there was an element of radio involved in that. They were basically what they did was they had like a, this tone generator type device and they would transmit that <clears throat> to a receiver, a radio receiver in the room. They would actually use a transmit, radio transmitter, and they would transmit the signals from these 13 tones that they had um, picked out. And so you get this mixture of these 13 tones transmitting through the airwaves across the room, being picked up in a on a receiver and then played through a speaker and then recorded onto tape. And so that's, and there's, there's some videos on YouTube actually. It's pretty interesting um, to go back and watch those of Bill O'Neill operating the Spearcom. And Bill O'Neill was kind of the, this was a metaphysics um, Institute Institute foundation. I can't remember which one, which one it is, but uh, they basically um, were, very like as the name entails metaphysical right so they believed in a lot of the the psychic phenomenon and they had kind of mixed the two worlds together the psychic phenomenon and this world of technology that had come about and you know people had been working with for you know since the 50s i believe actually technically if you want to to get down to brass tacks about it like in Edison's time and Tesla even mentioned Nikolai Tesla even mentioned speaking to what he believed was aliens or hearing their voices over the radio waves when he first invented radio. So I, I remember that. I remember learning about that. Now, how, how does let's shift gears here just for a second. How Edison created, I can't remember what it was called. I think like the formal, title or, or name he gave to it was the device for speaking to the dead. Is that what it was? Yeah. Well, he never actually came out with it. He, um, now there was a thing called the psychophone and, uh, I can't remember all the details on that right away, but I know it had to do with a, um, record basically. So you would, record it was basically like a um a self-empowerment type thing um like you would it was meant to be able to uh kind of take your positive thoughts and your positive you know uh, feelings and make you believe them while you were asleep so you basically recorded yourself saying and it was it looks like i think Thomas Edison did contribute to it or he invented to it. He invented it actually. Okay. Yes. 
Okay. So I, I couldn't remember if he did or not, but I'm looking at it right now, and it says uh, they think he invented the psycho phone to record messages from the afterlife, but basically it was meant to um, reiterate your positive thoughts to you while you were asleep that night. And I think the definitions kind of changed over time to this thing fitting that device that he joked about saying, you know, uh, I think we're on the verge of communicating with the dead or whatever. Okay. And, but it's never actually been proven. So, yeah. Now, jumping back to the early versions here with the 13 tones, were, were those right. tones just, was it a pre-programmed sort of sequence of tones? Was it random? Would they just play them as they felt? Or how did, how did that work? There are holes in in the research, and um, that's that's kind of the problem with replicating the uh, Spiritcom is the the diagram that they give for how for you know basically the hardware is is so basic it just says you know tones produced here, transmitted here, and then picked up here and played back here. And so it's really hard to say how exactly they did it, but if you go if you go and you listen to the YouTube uh, the the video if you watch the videos on YouTube of Bill O'Neill using the the Spearcom, it really sounds like a guy is talking right back to him as he's talking like two way conversation, and it sounds like someone is is like if they have one of those electronic uh, uh, voice boxes. Okay. You know, like if you lost your larynx. And that's kind of how they describe those tones picking up and and sort of reproducing that that larynx. And that's why it sounds like a electronic larynx or electronic voice box. And that's their that's their explanation of it. Now, there is a lot of debate on whether that was real or not. And that's kind of something that you have to make up your own opinion on. Um, I believe that they had something and I don't, I don't know for, I can't say for sure that the, the tapes are 100% legit, but I, I do believe they had something. And, um, and now it's, it's, lost to time now there is work going on to recover the spirit com and i'm trying to be as part of that as much as possible (laughs) (laughs) because i would like to to you know just at least get my hands on it and then look at the 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 hardware and everything firsthand so i would know the answers to that that question well if the plans are as as vague as you say they are is that possible to, to find, well, now there's a, well, see, the thing is there's a guy who claims to have this thing in storage. And I know somebody who's working to get this, this thing from this guy. Okay. I can't tell any details, but <clears throat> yes, it, there is works going on to recover the original Spearcom. Okay. Well, so that's, a... that's well, go ahead. something that'll be interesting. That's something that'll be really interesting. Uh, being that that's kind of the father, sort of, of this whole thing. Okay. 
So let's yeah. move. Let's jump forward back to Frank Sumption and what was the first ghost box that he developed? Well, now you're you're getting kind of um, you're getting kind of into into uh, Tim Woolworth territory there with that. Uh, <laughs> so I, I can tell you that he got the idea from uh, a I think it was a popular electronics magazine. And, um, so basically he got the idea of how to build the hardware and, and to sweep the radio from there. And I can tell you that it was basically a car stereo setup. So he used a, he used a car stereo style radio and these big 12 volt batteries. And that's, and that in conjunction with the sweep circuit that he built, um, which is what actually changes the tuning in your radio it makes it go up and down um that's basically how he came up with the first disc box okay and obviously after him there have been uh, numerous ghost box boxes that have come out but you've kind of taken your own path with this and how did you how did you get involved in developing them and and what how did you come up with your ideas to do these a little differently? <clears throat> well, I first got interested in ghost boxes. Um, my daughter and I were looking for something to, she was like, I don't know, 14. And we were looking for something to do on Friday night, you know, some family, some kind of science family, little craft or something to do. And so uh, we went to Hobby Lobby and we found a crystal radio um, kit. And I said, Oh, this was like fun. You know, at this point I hadn't, I didn't know anything about a ghost box or radios beyond like an SB seven. That was literally the only thing I really knew about it. Uh, mm -hmm. it was always an interesting thing to me, but as far as the, um, the guts of it, I never really got into it. So, we sat there and she eventually went to bed and I'm still winding this, this copper coal <laughs> and I wound this copper coal for this, this, uh, this crystal radio for a couple hours and, uh, finally finished it, got it all put together. And, uh, I noticed a lot of weird sounds, a lot of weird voices coming through that didn't seem like radio. Uh, it didn't seem like a radio station being broadcast. Um, I couldn't quite make, it's kind of like the Tesla thing. I couldn't quite make out what they were saying. It sounded intelligent, it sounded human. It sounded like another language, but I couldn't put a finger on which language, you know, normally you can kind of pick out, okay, well, they're speaking Russian or they're speaking, you know, um, uh, Spanish or, or German or whatever. But this was really hard for me. I couldn't put a finger on the, on the language or the dialect or anything. So I decided to, uh, to kind of pursue the radio idea further. And then, you know, I kind of, my first ghost box that I ever built, I couldn't figure out, I said, I didn't have, I had electronics knowledge, right. But I didn't have the analog, um, like audio electronics knowledge that I would need to build like a go of Frank's Frank Sumption style ghost box. So I kind of 
thought about it and I was like, all right, well, what's the easiest way I could come up with a ghost box? And this kind of goes back to what you said before. Um, the first thing that popped into my head was, okay, so basically what I'm doing here is I'm turning the radio dial back and forth. Right. I just turn it back and forth, 180 degrees in either direction. And that's, I'm sweeping all the way through the station. So I was like, all right. I, so I basically built this, this setup. I used a microcontroller and a servo and attached the servo to the dial and programmed the servo to sweep back and forth 180 degrees and I could change the speed. And so basically I had a, I could, I could make any radio a ghost box like that. And I, I thought it was really cool. And so I was hooked at that point. And I just kind of started expanding and, and trying to take my own direction. But at the same time, like Frank Sumption's schematics for his ghost boxes are on um, Tim Woolworth's website, ITC Voices. And um, so I would always go back there. I always go back there and I've been going back there. I mean, even to this day, I still go back there and I look at those schematics and actually that was kind of my goal was to, uh, finally build a, a Frank's box style sweep circuit based on his schematics. Right. <clears throat> and there were, there were a couple holes there that I had to, I had to learn my way through <laughs> and, but I finally did it. And, uh, so, but, but I did also, I started back to the microcontroller thing. That was my real, my first digital ghost box. Cause, um, there's, uh, there's a setup you can, you can build using a microcontroller and a FM radio module. And, uh, it's a matter of code after that, once you, once you get the hardware down. So you go through the code, you write your code, upload your sketch, and bam, you got your, your um your basis of your your ghost box now is which, that is that entirely digital yes that would be totally digital because basically you're just telling now that 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 setup in itself is entirely digital right like if it's based on just the code sweeping the uh the the radio module yes that would be completely digital but but would it still have a receiver to pick up uh, terrestrial signals or is it entirely internal? Oh no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a digital radio, right? It's a digital setup. Now it okay. still uses FM radio. It's just a digital, it's just making it work digitally. So instead of using a circuit to tell the station to do this or to do that, I'm basically using a microcontroller and sending information to the module and saying change to this station, change to that station or whatever. So that's, that's the difference. But aside from that, you're, you're, you're still picking up the FM, like actual FM radio waves, not like web radio or, or anything like that. Or the, the, what is it? DAB. I think is the new stuff. DAB. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what are the you've you've brought up so many questions so i, I may I, seem, I to, seem to bounce around <laughs> here or 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 circle around again but that's okay so, so what are the 
the differences and the advantages and disadvantages of something digital like that where it's a random scan versus something that is a linear scan where it starts at one end of the spectrum and just keeps going back and forth? <clears throat> okay, so basically you're asking what's the difference between analog and digital. And analog is typically you're going to find a, a sweeping from the lowest station, 87.5, we'll say 87.5, up to the highest FM station, which is 108, or the AM band, if you have both or one or the other. And with digital, you can do the same thing, but you can also make it go randomly. You can make it sweep, sweep, oh, excuse me. You can make it sweep randomly. You can make it sweep um, like my, uh, my Necrocom sweep. And that is basically, I start out at the first station. I skip to the last station. Then I go to the second station, second to the last station. It's kind of confusing. I'd have to show you probably on paper, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so with digital, you have some, some, um, some pros that you don't have with analog. Um, it's way easier to define how you want the radio to operate. Um, as far as do I want it to scan, you know, forward over and over and over again, or do I want it to sweep up and then sweep back down? Or do I want it to sweep in reverse? Do I want it to sweep randomly? Whereas analog, you can sweep randomly, but it's, it's a, it's a lot more work. Yeah, there's a lot more circuit that you have to build. And um, so most most of your analog sweep circuits are going to be, you know, linear. They're going to go from the bottom to the top and back down to the bottom. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, there's no AM in, uh, in your digital sweep style already, you know, uh, microcontroller-based radio uh they don't have an am module there's probably a way i could do it but it's it's almost like it's not even worth the work to do that when i can just do it with analog okay. but that's going to be your main con with with digital is you're kind of stuck with fm is there um is there an advantage or this brings up a big debate because I've seen people who swear by AM. I've seen people who swear by FM. Yes. And, I, you know, I kind of understand the idea that FM is better because there's less talk on it. Typically here in the U.S., if you're listening to a talk radio station, generally it's probably AM. So if you're scanning the AM bands, you're more likely to pick up tidbits of conversation, but that is such a debate between AM and FM. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there is a debate on between AM and FM. And, uh, basically my thoughts on it is I feel like, okay, it's me and you were talking earlier before the show started. And so basically I feel like there, there are different things out there. There's different, um, uh, beings out there that we can't see that are there that we can however communicate with through radio but 
these things that are out there that we can't see, they're, they're not all the same. They don't all have the same nature. They're, they're not of the same origin. So they, they operate and I can't even go, I can't even begin to describe to you how, how this works. Uh, just from my work, it seems like there are certain things that can communicate through FM and there are certain things that can communicate through AM and there's some things that communicate um, even in different ways over the same band, over the, over the FM band. Like there's some things that use the, what I call the Bumblebee method, which is, um, if you've ever seen Transformers from, I think, 2007, uh, Bumblebee's voice box was broken, and he K- so he K- used a radio to communicate. KD, I'm going to get you to hold on here one okay. one second because we're going to step out for another break, and when we come oh. back, we're, we're going to get into this discussion of AM versus FM and the things that may be able to communicate on the different bands. We will be right okay. back after this break on Spaced Out Sundays. John Rezik here, founder of Chive Charities. And just like you, we have a penchant for the uncommon, the overlooked, and the off-the-cuff. Chive Charities operates a bit differently than most organizations. We listen to our recipients to find out exactly what they need, and then we give it to them. We provide people with rare medical conditions, veterans, and first responders with grant items that will make a direct impact on that person's life. We don't just forget about our recipients when the van or the wheelchair has been delivered Our recipients are part of our Chive Charities family for life. By becoming a donor with us, you could be a part of that family too. And our listeners of Spaced Out Radio know that thinking differently can be a very good thing. To get to know some of our recipients and to support Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to ChiveCharities.org and start making a real difference today. Get your horns up with me on Spaced Out Radio. This is Ron Bumblefoot Thaw. Come tune in to SOR where you can hear me rock out with Little Brother is Watching, the official theme song of Spaced Out Radio. And then come on over to Bumblefoot.com where you can find out about my tour schedule, my music, and everything else. Bumblefoot.com keeps you up to date on what I'm doing and the best way to stay in touch with my music and music camps. Sign up for my newsletter at Bumblefoot.com and remember, Little Brother is Watching. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. At spacedoutradio.com, we have a little bit of everything for you to stay up late. So while you're there, check out our SRR Newswire, where our team brings you stories of the weird and strange to the WTF from around the globe. News on Bigfoot, UFOs, paranormal, Darwinian-type crime tales. It's the stories that the mainstream media usually won't touch. Well, we got them all on the SOR Newswire, only at spacedoutradio.com. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. 
Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. Come hang out with me, Little Richie G, as I take over the airwaves on Spaced Out Saturdays. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm going to bring you the most fun on the radio you can have with your clothes on. We're going to get to the heart of the subjects from UFOs to what's going on in the paranormal and everything in between. So come join me at spacedoutradio.com starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern for the fastest three hours of your week. The SOR Vault is open for business, and do we have some cool swag for you to pick up? All you have to do is head over to our website and click on the SOR Vault. You have a variety of cool logos to choose from and put them on anything you want. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we can get it to you. So do your shopping by supporting the store you love. Get your Spaced Out Radio swag at the SOR Vault today. We all know on Spaced Out Radio we love a good beard and mustache. So why not take care of your facial hair with Mighty Moose Beard Oil? Made in Canada, we're taking care of beards and stashes around the world. We use 100% natural ingredients with our oils and balms to make your whiskers feel silky smooth. Use promo code SOR2019 at MightyMooseBeard.com today. Looking for something new to push your limits? Look beyond the spectrum. A new docu-series featuring some of the best researchers in the world when it comes to everything from UFOs, government cover-ups, and strange humanoids. Truth Seekers Stephen Bassett, Jeff Meldrum, Jack Kasher, and Stanton Friedman, among others, all chip in to bring their knowledge to you. Beyond the Spectrum can be found on Amazon as well as Tubi TV. Tell us what you think on our Amazon page. Are you having encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, or ufological that you cannot explain? Look no further than the SOR Sightlines Report, brought to you by the Experiencers Support Association. This is Ryan Stacy, head of the research association, TESSA. Soon on the Spaced Out Radio website, you'll be able to file your reports and have them researched for you. We are independent and ready to help Spaced Out Radio listeners today. This is Amber Beckrude, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we store all of the SOR show archives for free. And as an added bonus, every two weeks, I'm posting brand new content on Cryptid Tales, where I will get into some of the spookier legends and folklore from around the world and tell the stories that go with them. Find us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio and check out Cryptid Tales today. Drop a comment and let me know what you want to hear. See you there. For the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. The Space Travelers Club is a place where you can interact with other listeners, either live during the show or on our great forum. We want your stories, pictures, comments, and ideas. You'll get live video streams, exclusive content, and be a part of our newsletter. Stay in touch with everything SOR. The Space Travelers Club is just 5 bucks a month at spacedoutradio.com. Hi there, this is Dave Scott, and I'm bringing you the woo every Monday through Friday on Spaced Out Radio. I'm going all out to bring you the strangest, oddest stories and subjects I could find for your entertainment. Why? Because when we hit peak woo, I know I've done my job. 
So come tune us in at spacedoutradio.com, 906 Pacific, 1206 AM Eastern, and together, my friends, we own the night. Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Sundays. I'm your host, Everett Themer. Thank you for spending your evening with us. We welcome back everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates. KDNF AM 1560 in Dangerfield, Texas. KDUN AM 1030 in Reedsport, Oregon. KZFX 93.7 FM in Ridgecrest, California. WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia, and UPRN 107.7 FM in New Orleans. On the digital side, we are on Kingdom of Nye Radio and Revolution Radio. And don't forget, you can check out our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to some Bumblefoot, Shopping at the SOR vault where you have to pick up a coffee mug and you have to get a Team Stump one. I am bringing Team Stump back, and I drink out of a Team Stump coffee mug. Reading up on the SOR Newswire and checking out Dave's weekly blog. And I have to tell you, Dave wrote a blog this week and posted it a little early. And and for those of you that don't know, SOR is celebrating its its five years, fifth anniversary. and Dave wrote some very complimentary things about everybody that's been involved with this. And there are so many names to name that, that I really I, I don't want to forget anybody, so I'm not going to name anybody. But he wrote some nice things about me, which makes me think he really doesn't know me. But the one thing I do want to say is that, you know, Dave has been working at this for five years. And, and while we all pitch in and you know, do our parts. Dave is the one who has made this and he deserves a lot of credit and a round of applause because I was a listener long before I ever became involved in SOR. And I will tell you, I've watched him work his butt off. So while he's busy complimenting everybody else, I think we all need to say a a kind word or two about Dave because he really, he's probably one of the hardest working people in media that I know and and nobody, when that mic comes on, he is bringing his A game, and people don't see the hard work that he puts in. But he definitely he definitely deserves a round of applause. And with that, because I'm not big on the the whole love fest kind of things, but with that, we bring back Katie Stafford. And Katie, before the before the break, we were talking about the debate between AM band and FM band. And there's a pretty big divide there, and I'd like to kind of continue that. What What are your thoughts on on the different bands, and which one do you prefer to use? Well, I've always kind of um, gravitated towards AM, and I think that's probably more to do with um, my fascination with 
uh, crystal radios and, you know, just my kind of beginnings there. Um, and just knowing what, you know, Nikolai Tesla had heard over his radio and his radio would have been AM. And so that's always kind of interested me. And so I just kind of followed that just based on that. Okay. I'll, I'll give you kind of a loose description of why I think AM's better. Um, AM, I believe, I don't want to say better. I want to say better in some senses. Um, AM, I think provides more of a local medium, uh, if that makes sense for, for things to communicate through. Um, it's just kind of the nature of AM radio, you know, um, it's, it's something that's, that's, it needs to be local, right? Like FM can broadcast a little bit further out. Um, signals come in a little bit stronger, a little bit clearer, a little bit more defined. It's a little bit more structured <clears throat> and AM is just kind of whatever's strongest, whatever's closest, that's going to kind of dominate your, your, your bandwidth, you know? And, um, it's like if you have a, a sports broadcast, uh, station on the AM, AM radio band right down the street, you're going to only get that sports broadcast through your AM radio, because if it's right down the street from you, that's all you're going to get. Really. It's going to be hard for you to define anything else. Um, I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of the, the magic for it to, for me. Um, I feel like with the AM radio waves, it's it's more a matter of things communicating through the waves themselves. If that makes sense, I think um, it does. I feel, yeah, I feel like uh, we put a lot of thought or a lot of um, a lot of we put a lot of stock into the idea that that ghosts or these things that we can't see that we're talking to that they can manipulate electromagnetic fields. And it only makes sense that they would be able to, um, I mean, anything made of energy, energy is part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So no matter what kind of energy it is, it's part of the EM spectrum. So that always made sense to me. And so I felt like, I feel like, um, these, these things that we're talking to, if they interact with us through by use of or by the means of interacting with EM fields, then it only makes sense for them to be able to communicate through the radio by interacting in those fields that we're picking up. And so that's always kind of been a logical, been the most logical reason or way that this whole thing works that I can kind of put it, you know, um, make sense of it in my head. Okay. Moonlit so. in our in our speaker chat uh, brings up an interesting point about the idea of what about other bands? What about I mean we talk about AM and FM, mm. but what about CB? Shortwave. VHF. Yeah. What about all these other bands where where things are 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 flying around out there? That's that's all those bands are very are also useful. They're just not as common. Uh when you talk about VHF and UHF, you're talking about uh, old school TV broadcast waves, right? right? And 
We actually have something for that. We have uh, something that Frank Sumption actually developed, which is the sweeping television. And we actually still make those. Um, I don't know that anybody else actually makes those besides us. But, uh, yeah, so we, we make these. We take the little camping, you know, the old school camping TVs. Okay. And, and we actually hook them up and wire them up in the way that we would a ghost box and we make these little TVs sweep through the um, UHF VHF bands. Um, And then we will take pictures of the screen while we're conducting an AVP session, uh, you know, record the audio from the white noise. We've got a lot of interesting pictures. Um, So yes, UHF VHF bandwidth bandwidths are also, a plausible method of gathering evidence or communication. Um, shortwave is also an interesting one. Um, recently, we found another uh, series of radios that are that are actually not out of date that you can't find anymore or whatever. Uh, you can buy these on Amazon, so they're readily available that we can. Um, hook up our sweep circuit to and basically make we get a am fm shortwave ghost box and then we and then we have am fm and then we have also shortwave bands and we have like nine different bands of shortwave so <clears throat> all those different bandwidths are in my opinion uh, have the potential for communication now, with the the transition to digital for television, are the UF or UHF and and VHF bands? They should be for the most part pretty much free Definitely. of of vocal vocalizations or anything like that, aren't they? They are for the most part. Now, you will occasionally catch a stray signal come through. Um. But for the most part, you won't get anything. You won't get any picture. You definitely won't get any video, any any sort of anything come across visually. Um, you'll definitely get some, I think, FM radio bleed through. Um, but again, like, is it sometimes is it bleed through? Is it not bleed through? That's the question. Um, and all it, in my mind, it's it's boils down to is the response valid. So uh, how uh, I don't I don't know exactly how I should ask this. How uh, how many responses or, or what's it like to sweep through those those bands? Do you get responses? Is it pretty much just static because it seems to me that if you got an intelligent response over one of those bands, that's a little bit of validation where people can't necessarily argue that it's some sort of bleed over or something like that. If it's on a, on a desolate signal. Right now we like I said, we have gotten, we we've gotten more video like possible things. Then we have audio sweeping through the UHF and VHF. Um, <clears throat> but it's mostly it's mostly visual, and yeah, there's no. I, I, I've yet to see myself where there was a video bleed through that that could be blamed on you know 
man-made radio or television broadcast. So, yeah, if I get anything over the TV, I'm pretty much probably going to be calling it valid. (laughs) Just because my experience, you don't get things bleeding through visually on that that band. Right. We're going to get into some of the video work a little later because you are... You are working on a couple of things, if I if I'm correct. Um, yes, but you know, I, I want to go back to Frank Sumption a little bit and compare, like, his original work and, and his even his later work. Are there are there aspects of that that are getting lost in these new Ghost Boxes? I mean, I, I think so. I think um, I think. The well, you could say you could say that, or you could also say, well, you know, there's there's just another uh, taste in ghost box communication that's kind of developed, and that's kind of it. Kind of kind of came around with the use of when people started adding audio effects and stuff to the to the ghost box sound. So you know, you get people using pedals and different effects. And which I think is great, um, but also at the same time, I, I don't think you can do away with all those old original things that we used in ITC and in, in Ghostbox communication. You can't get rid of the static all the time, you know. I mean, but some people don't like the static, and some people want to go with the the noise suppression where they they turn down the the radio static and they only get the snippets of voice they come through and then some people will argue well you're only getting the radio responses you're only getting the radio snippets that are coming through you're not getting that underlying voice that could be there in the static because the static's getting cut out so i think it's hard to say if we're losing things i think some people if they get too maybe closed-minded or tunnel vision on you know they're set on one specific style i think you kind of have to broaden your your horizons and try different things different methods um yeah so i think a lot of people are losing that but that's kind of something we're trying to bring back we're trying to you know uh make old school frank's box this box is cool again (laughs) Talking talking about adding the pedals and effects, uh, I'm a bit of an audio purist. I know, and and I think most people understand that the more you do to a signal, the more opportunity there is for corruption or artif- artifacts to appear in that signal. And right. when you start adding whether it be the the chorus or the reverb or i've seen people add digital delay doesn't that how how do you feel about that and doesn't that open up the the door to having an artifact processed in there that's misidentified or losing something because it's been processed right out the now i would be more concerned about losing something Right, because it's been processed out. As far as getting an artifact that might be like a false positive is basically what you're saying. Right. Um, 
who are we to say that it's a false positive? If if it's valid, if you get a response and it's valid, if it's a, if it's a valid response, now if it's just some random, you know, ninety eight point one or something like that, it's obviously like a radio something. Then <clears throat> obviously not valid, right? But if you like, take for instance, um, there's a video on YouTube that I put on YouTube a while back, and it's it was at Shoal Creek Living History Museum. And I was doing a session in a uh, cabin and um, I asked what I was talking to the guy, the, the, the alleged ghost that was there uh, had been accused of killing children and they had been hung. And then later they found out that that, that guy didn't do it. Somebody else did it because the other guy confessed. So, so I'm in there trying to get answers and I ask, are you guilty or innocent? If you're innocent, just say the word innocent. And immediately I got the word innocent. Now, some people might say, well, you know, you just happened to get that come across or that was, that was a radio snippet. That wasn't a, that wasn't like a ghost talking to you. I, my response would be, well, how do we know that? And, and, and calculate those odds that I would get that answer to that specific question at that specific time. You know, <laughs> the radio would just happen to sweep past a station that they were talking about something where the word innocent came up just as I asked that question. It's just kind of astronomical, I, w- I would imagine. I don't even know how to calculate those odds. So... <clears throat> Um, I, I say it all boils down to validity. Is it valid or is it random? Right. They're your response. And, and that, th- so yeah, that, that's kind of answering your question. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, artifacts, it, artifacts is kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for, we're looking for that, that distortion in the noise. We're looking for that spike and that background noise. We're looking for that imperfection and you know that, right. that and, static background and i know that probably one of the the biggest uh disadvantages of most of the ghost boxes is the static for somebody who's first trying to use it or somebody who's listening to somebody else use it it at times can be difficult to listen to and pick words out but very you know it seems like the idea of running that signal through processors to to take out the static, you just run the risk of, of losing something. I, I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that, um, the losing something part, because I've gotten so many responses that came under like a low-strength signal, and that low strength signal is kind of under the static, but you can hear it, but it's under the static. But if that had been uh, being processed by like a, like a a noise killer pedal or something like that, then I would have totally missed that. Uh, You're only going to get the the strongest responses that come through. Now, how did pedals come to be used on these? Well, I know there was a lot of, I think there are some people, I don't want to say any names, but there's some people who would like to claim all the fame to that. Um, and that's fine if they want to, I really, it doesn't matter to me either way, but basically people, what you, okay. So reverb was the first thing to kind of come around and be used. 
And I think that stems off of Frank Sumption, his first, or okay, he used a, what, what was called, what he called an echo chamber, right? And so it was basically a box that his, his ghost box, the sound from his ghost box would be played audibly through a speaker, through a loudspeaker into a box, a closed, a sealed box that had a microphone element inside of it. And then that would be recorded to like a tape player or whatever. It had a line out that it could be recorded. And so basically that was kind of the first kind of reverb or echo type addition that was added. And I think it all just kind of went from there. People just started experimenting with different ways to add reverb to the tail end of that and, and you know, and then different effects came into play and I'm, I'm guilty of using different things too. I'll, I'll throw in like a, like a multi effects pedal and just start making noise. And, you know, because ultimately that's, that's what we're doing. We're making, we're providing a, I think we're providing a carrier wave a lot of times to, for other things to imprint a message on. That makes and, sense. and that's, that's, yeah, that's, and that's just another kind of another method of communication. You know, I was talking about there's different ways that different things communicate. Well, I think some things may come through the actual radio waves by interfering with the EMF fields. And then I think some things may actually need that, that carrier wave, that frequency, that, that noise to imprint their voice onto. So. And and we're going to get into that before the program ends because you and I had a bit of a discussion about whether it's just ghosts that come through. And I, I want to talk a bit about sort of that debate whether or not these entities are putting words together or kind of grabbing snippets of of the speech that they hear on the radio waves and putting that together. I mean, there's so many right. different, there are so many different directions we can go. And there are so many theories on this and, and being known as the, the mad paranormal scientist, you're the one that's kind of, uh, kind of looking at these and digging in different directions. And, and we have a couple of your products that we need to kind of explore and talk about a little bit, but I am going to get you once again to hold on for just a few minutes because we are going to step out for another break on Spaced Out Summits. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, space travelers. This is John Resig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. If you know anything about our website, you'd know we like to do things a little differently. We're not some faceless organization collecting money for a nebulous cause. Our donor dollars go directly toward life-improving items. Then we give those items directly to an underdog who needs it most. To become a donor with Spaced Out Radio's official charity, Chive Charities, just go to chivecharities.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is your guitar man, Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. 
we're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckrude, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. Every night on Spaced Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! Heading to Vancouver and looking for some great nightlife? The Moose Vancouver is the place to be. Catch a game on one of the big screens or just come rock out to your favorite 80s and 90s hair bands. Great food starting at $6.95. The Moose Vancouver is open until 2 a.m. nightly. It's easy to find near the corner of Nelson and Granville. The Moose Vancouver is the official rocking bar of Spaced Out Radio. Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. Hey everybody, the SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. Hi there, this is Geraldina Roscoe from San Francisco's Bay Area Meditation. I invite you to join me the first Tuesday of every month with Dave Scott for Spaced Out Radio's The Spiritual You. In this fast-paced world we live in, it's time for you to take some time for you. We'll cover every possible subject from powerful meditation to healing techniques to your own intuition and spirituality. So come join us for The Spiritual You. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Move over, brother, and let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano. 
And I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. Looking for the stories of the strange and weird that you will find hard to find anywhere else? Check out the SOR Newswire on our website. Our writers, led by Captain Shirk, are scouring the world for the oddest and most bizarre stories we can find. Everything from weird crime to suspenseful and paranormal. We're working hard for you to bring you the most intriguing news of your day. Check out the SOR Newswire at spacedoutradio.com today. Oh, I wish I could play like Bumblefoot. Welcome back to Spaced Out Sundays. I'm your host, Everett Themer. Thank you for sticking around with us. Don't forget, if you've missed any part of the show, you can check out our archives, always for free, at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Just do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to some Bumblefoot, shopping in the SOR vault where you can find some really cool t-shirts, mugs, all kind of sweet swag, joining the Space Travelers Club, and so much more. We're talking tonight to Katie Stafford, the tech, the tech guy for Ghosts of Morgan City on the Travel Channel, and, and he's also known as the Paranormal Mad Scientist, and he's he's pushing the limits with a lot of this stuff. He is... He's he's taking this stuff to some different directions and has some really good ideas on, on some some places this technology can go. And Katie, before the break, we were talking about effects and and how possibly signals can be lost by being processed out. And, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, but talking about that really brought this to mind: the idea of what kind of entities can communicate over these ghost boxes and how they do it because i think everybody's had some of those experiences where it didn't quite sound like a ghost but you're not really sure what it was and and i i i'd like to talk to you about that a little bit explore that idea because we use these ghost boxes and most people they they have so many different names but most people refer to them as a spirit box or a ghost box but there's that possibility that we're talking to something entirely different, isn't there? Definitely. Um, you know, I like to compare it to, uh, like, let's say using a, a Ouija board, for example. Um, there's there's kind of a bad name on a Ouija board. I don't think it's such a bad thing. Uh, a lot of people see danger in a Ouija board because they don't know what they're talking to, right? And that's so... Uh, I kind of associate that also with ghost boxes. Um, you you still have the same level of uncertainty as to what you're talking to, and so that uh, that then that asks another question: um, What different types of things can we be talking to? Um, because 
like you said, they, we definitely get responses sometimes from things that we don't necessarily that don't necessarily seem to be what we would define as a a, a dead person or a, a human uh, spirit, so or a ghost. So um, I believe that sometimes we can also communicate with uh, what could be described as angelic entities or demonic entities or um you know as 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 wild as it sounds maybe even aliens i mean that that's i wouldn't be the first one to say that uh frank sumption himself actually thought something close to this along the same lines uh like i said earlier nikolai tesla believed that he could have been potentially listening to alien conversations um so yeah there's there there's that possibility that we are talking to a lot of different things um so that's something that we might need to keep in mind it's not always going to be you know you see a lot of uh people trying to contact like um the 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 latest celebrity who's died or whatever which i don't like myself i find it to be in bad taste but whatever comes over the box comes over the box but i don't feel like you should set out to communicate with people who have just passed recently and there are people still mourning their deaths and you know you shouldn't be doing that publicly but that's beside the point anyway um the the thing is is that the, I've gotten responses from things from one thing in particular that stands out in my mind. Um, we were in a house and um, we had a there was something dark there. We knew that there was something dark there, but we didn't know what it was. And it didn't seem bad. It just seemed dark. It seemed like there was a heaviness there. And um, so I asked the box, I'm like, you know, what's your name? Tell me your name. And I got Abaddon. And Abaddon, I knew I'd heard the name before. And I knew it was like an angel name. But I couldn't put my finger on which one it was. So I went back and did some research, found out Abaddon is actually the keeper of the abyss. Or sometimes he's seen as the, the angel of death. And in this particular house, um, turned out a few weeks later, there was a death in the house. There was multiple deaths. Actually, there were two, two dogs died and there was a, um, a, a member of the household who died also. So, uh, that kind of hit home with me, uh, pretty hard. And that really kind of solidified my belief that, we are communicating with different things other than just the spirits of past humans. Why do you think that so many people don't buy into the idea that angelic beings or, or demons, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I hate to use the word demon because we just don't know. And, and it seems like so many people label anything that could be of of a dark nature or or appear to have that they it it gets labeled that immediately but right. why why is it that 
people seem reluctant to accept the idea that they could be speaking to these types of beings when they're using a ghost box. I and mean, it seems to me, in my opinion at least, that if you're talking to a, a ghost or attempting to communicate with ghosts or, or spirits, depending on the word you want to use, um, they have to be on a similar plane as these other beings. So it would make sense that they could come through. Well, I think the biggest thing you have to keep in mind is that a lot of times there are people with religious beliefs who are, who are doing these sessions or, or using this, these, this equipment, they have, they have their own belief system, right? So they're kind of bound by their belief system and, and they're, they're going to, um, unfortunately, I think that might cause you to kind of miss out on some of the communication that's there and, and really seeing what you're talking to. Um, it, it gets kind of, it gets kind of hazy when you get into, um, why some people don't believe that then you're getting into just basic belief systems at that point. And people form, people do form their own kind of dogma around this whole thing. And they, they kind of will start saying there's rules to it. And you know, this works, this works this way, this works that way. I'm going to tell you right now, I still don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. And if you, Oh, go ahead. If you ask me to 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 explain to you how it works, there's no way I could I could I could tell you basically uh, my loose idea of how it works, like I did with the you know things um, imprinting their 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 voice on background noise or or um, you know communicating by inter- interfering with the EMF fields in the radio waves that are, that we're picking up with our radios, but or the 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 uh, bumblebee method where they they take little snippets um some people believe that 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 the whatever we're talking to has the ability to arrange the snippets of sound in a way to where it will form a message that they're trying to relay and so you know i think that might that all that could probably be chalked up to potentially we're talking to different things, like I said. So, and these different things communicate in different ways. And, you know, like you could be, let's say, let's say you're talking, let's say there's two different, let's say a human spirit and then a angelic, uh, being, right. I would imagine they wouldn't, communicate the same way they, they don't really exist on the same plane right um so they may come through in different ways they may have like actually come through the box and imprint their voice in different ways uh it could be you know under the static it could be in which case that would be where you would lose that communication if you use the noise killer right like you were saying earlier um it could be by manipulating the, the, the sounds, it could be lots of different ways. Sometimes it's just like EVP sessions where you won't actually hear the responses unless you record your session and you go back and listen to the session afterwards. 
and then you'll hear the responses. So it's almost like a combination of the radio and recording that actually gets the, um, the message. So there's a lot of, lot of different things going on here. I think it's a lot more complicated. And I think a lot of people try to probably simplify it in their heads, maybe. So that, that. so that it's easier. Yeah. So it's easier for them to kind of believe it. It's, it's easier to believe if you simplify it. So I, I want to be sure to hit on the idea of communicating with potentially, potentially communicating with aliens. But I want to ask you before we go to that about the yeah, idea, I forgot about, the aliens. <laughs> about the idea of somebody sort of being connected to their spirit box or their ghost box. It, it, it seems as though there are some people who, and I'll use Bill Hauser as an example. There's a couple boxes that he uses that when he uses them, it almost seems like there's a connection of some sort between himself and the boxes. And, and then right. I've heard people who don't seem to really have any connection to their box where they, they don't get the the responses. I mean, you, you'll hear the static. You just won't hear any, literally any voices or noise come through. And, and I want right. to ask you, how important is it for somebody to be and connected to their device isn't the right word in this day and age, but, but how important is it for somebody to have a, some form of, of connection to their device? You know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, that being connected to a device isn't out of the realm of impossibility. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out as far as to say that that's quite possible. I'm going to take it another step, and I'm going to say there's people who I believe may demonstrate a new psychic a new type of psychic ability that we have only been able to identify in modern times since we've developed technology, you know, electronics. Um, since we've developed electronics that they can actually, they actually are more um, likely to communicate with these other, these unseen entities through by or by electronic methods than than other people are because they this is some sort of like a like a newly discovered psychic phenomenon you know there's for some reason you have this one person in the room and they're using this box and they're getting response response responses like valid responses direct responses and you know another person could come along and try to use the same box and it would just go dead and um so i believe it, it could be um, you could have increased, uh, communication ability in some people due to like a, a psychic phenomenon. And also there could be that connection to the box also. And also I'm going to say that, that box builders there, there's some people might laugh at this, but I, I believe there's sort of a. I don't want to say enchant. You want to talk about getting old school, like an enchanting type process that that goes on when you build a ghost box. There's a lot of work, a lot of a lot of things that go into that, you know. And <clears throat> I'm going to say it, it almost 
it's almost um like an enchanting type thing you know like you're you're you don't just build a piece of equipment you're building a something that's almost spiritual in nature almost like you've put part of yourself in it right okay i that that makes complete sense the idea of of aliens communicating with us through spirit boxes or ghost boxes that is one of those concepts that many people will snicker at or or dismiss immediately but you know as the the extraterrestrial ufo communities kind of look at the phenomena and there and there's the idea that well, maybe aliens are some form of interdimensional being. There are a variety of hypotheses out there. Hypotheses? Hypotheses? Hypotheses. Yeah, there's a lot of ideas out there. And, you know, many of those surround the idea that maybe these are some form of interdimensional or not quite physical being, which seems like, well, that would be, that would be prime for communicating through this type of device and you know if they are a physical being and they're using radio waves certainly they would have the ability to to transmit something that could be picked up but yet so many people kind of dismiss this immediately why do you think that is well i I think that might come along with the whole the whole stigma of well i mean you know there are there there are lots of people out there who would scoff at the ghosts or aliens, and I know there are people in the UFO community that would scoff at ghosts, and likewise for the ghost community. But um, yeah, so I think there's that kind of divide between the two, the two fields that that you know it's like, oh that's silly, that's <laughs> when in reality not neither can call each other silly for anything really um that's like you know bigfoot hunters getting into a fight with ufologists about bigfoot being an alien he's not an they don't think he's an alien or whatever but hey that's that's between them that's not me (laughs) but um yeah so it could be it could be these these ufo these ufo these beings that are controlling these ufos it could be alien it could be something interdimensional also that we're talking to and because i'm gonna i'm just gonna throw this out basically we don't know what what their technology consists of you know like any any being that has the technological capability to travel the distance they would have to across the universe if they're from another planet, if they are extraterrestrial and then from, you know, somewhere else in the universe, um, something that could travel that far and, and go across that kind of expanse. Like we can't even imagine the technology that it would take us to be able to do that in a lifetime. Right. So how can we even imagine the type of communication technology they might have? Um, which kind of brings me to another potential that we might be listening to on ghost boxes, which might be ourselves. Um, it could be psychic projection of our own thoughts. Um, 
our own subconscious imprinted on these radio waves also that we're listening to, which could be the case also with the extraterrestrials or the, the interdimensional beings. So it could be a matter of psychic projection. This is where we take one of those dreaded U or detours for a second. If, if this is some form of psychic impression, do you think then that let's say I'm using a ghost box and I have something on my mind or whether it be a, a, a relative who's passed on or, or somebody I'm thinking about or whatever, do you think that I could create a response in the ghost box through thinking about it? Or I, I hate to use the term psychic ability because I have none of those, but basically well, could I create that response? I'm pretty yes, sure I don't. I would, I would say 100% it's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. It's a possibility as much as it's a possibility that you're speaking to the spirits of past humans. Um, because if you think about it, okay, when you're talking, okay, the, for the people who believe that they're talking to ghosts solely, uh, what is a ghost? Uh, a ghost would be your consciousness after it leaves your body, right? So who's to say that our consciousness before it leaves our body can't still communicate the same way that it can after it leaves our body? Just maybe without our knowledge, like our subconscious does all kinds of crazy things that we can't explain. Um, even science who is, uh, like our main, you know, like number one, like the ghosts are not a thing, right? Science. So even scientists, uh, a lot of scientists will say that a Ouija board works by way of um, projecting your subconscious. Like you might, you may not know, but through these micro uh, muscle movements, these uh, idiomotor um, phenomenon. That we, that we experienced that supposedly causes the planchette to move, that our brains may be subconsciously answering our questions for us. And so I, I believe that same concept can be applied to ghost boxes. Okay. I could be... it, it's not in the same way, not through idiomotor, right. but, you know, through psychic ability. And I'm not saying everybody's gonna have that happen to them. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the majority of the times when we're talking to something through the ghost box, it's actually something else. It's probably not us. But I'm gonna also say that you never know if you have somebody there with you who does have some sort of strong psychic ability. Um, and or maybe like a, especially uh, this especially geared for that application, you know that they might be the ones causing the the communication. But then, on one hand, if you can sort of manifest the response through psychic ability, couldn't a psychic help manifest some valid responses if they're able to? be in touch with or communicate with spirits and, and wouldn't that help valid maybe validate 
you know, what they're seeing, feeling, the information they're gathering? Couldn't the two work together? Yeah, definitely. And I, I've, I always say, you know, all my psychic friends, I'm like, you know, you need a ghost box. Like, if I was psychic, I'd be running around with a ghost box just constantly, just <laughs> because I feel like, you know, it, it would make a good companion or a good tool for that psychic to use. Um, I think more people, I think people with psychic abilities should maybe try and and just try the method. Like, if you've never tried um, ITC communication or ghost bots communication, try it. You know, um, you may be pleasantly surprised. You may find that it, it actually accents your, your already the ability that you already have. So definitely. We got about five seconds left. Have you ever gotten a response from that sounded alien? I have. Really? I'm going to ask you about that right after this break. Okay. Can you hold on for a few minutes? I will. Excellent. Thank you. We'll be right back on Spaced Out Sundays. Hi there. This is Dave Scott, and I'm bringing you the woo every Monday through Friday on Spaced Out Radio. I'm going all out to bring you the strangest, oddest stories and subjects I could find for your entertainment. Why? Because when we hit peak woo, I know I've done my job. So come tune us in at spacedoutradio.com, 906 Pacific, 1206 AM Eastern, and together, my friends, we own the night. Find your escape where time has no limits. It's about living today and cherishing the heritage of yesterday. A spirit of adventure for what is new with the nostalgia of the past. Your timepiece is a reflection of who you are. Life surrounded by beauty from the world around us to the soul within. Escapewatches.com. There is no time like the present to enjoy your escape. Use promo code SMF2017 for your 20% discount today. John Rezik here, founder of Chive Charities. And just like you, we have a penchant for the uncommon, the overlooked, and the off-the-cuff. Chive Charities operates a bit differently than most organizations. We listen to our recipients to find out exactly what they need, and then we give it to them. We provide people with rare medical conditions, veterans, and first responders with grant items that will make a direct impact on that person's life. We don't just forget about our recipients when the van or the wheelchair has been delivered Our recipients are part of our Chive Charities family for life. By becoming a donor with us, you could be a part of that family too. And our listeners of Spaced Out Radio know that thinking differently can be a very good thing. To get to know some of our recipients and to support Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to ChiveCharities.org and start making a real difference today. If you're heading to Vancouver, make sure you stop by the official bar of Spaced Out Radio, the Moose Vancouver. It's the place to party in YVR at the corner of Nelson and Granville. The Moose Vancouver is always up to speed with a kitchen staff that serves great food, all food on the menu, $6.95 to $8.95. There's a reason the Moose Vancouver is recognized as one of the hottest spots on the West Coast. Get your horns up for the Moose Vancouver. 
Come hang out with Spaced Out Radio, where we own the night. This is Carl. You can follow Dave on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and during the show, use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio to chat with us live. On Instagram, at Dave Scott S-O-R. On Facebook, give our page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. S-O-R archives are free on YouTube, at Spaced Out Radio. Come join us, or I will come join you. See you at your window. The SOR Vault is open for business, and do we have some cool swag for you to pick up. All you have to do is head over to our website and click on the SOR Vault. You have a variety of cool logos to choose from, and put them on anything you want. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we can get it to you. So do your shopping by supporting the store you love. Get your Spaced Out Radio swag at the SOR Vault today. Are you having encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, or ufological that you cannot explain? Look no further than the SOR Sightlines Report, brought to you by the Experiencer Support Association. This is Ryan Stacy, head of the Research Association, TESSA. Soon on the Spaced Out Radio website, you'll be able to file your reports and have them researched for you. We are independent and ready to help Spaced Out Radio listeners today. We all know on Spaced Out Radio we love a good beard and mustache, so why not take care of your facial hair with Mighty Moose Beard Oil? Made in Canada, we're taking care of beards and stashes around the world. We use 100% natural ingredients with our oils and balms to make your whiskers feel silky smooth. Use promo code SOR2019 at MightyMooseBeard.com today. Get your horns up with me on Spaced Out Radio. This is Ron Bumblefoot Thaw. Come tune in to SOR where you can hear me rock out with Little Brother is Watching, the official theme song of Spaced Out Radio. And then come on over to Bumblefoot.com where you can find out about my tour schedule, my music, and everything else. Bumblefoot.com keeps you up to date on what I'm doing and the best way to stay in touch with my music and music camps. Sign up for my newsletter at Bumblefoot.com and remember, Little Brother is Watching. Hi. This is Amber Beckrude, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we store all of the SOR show archives for free. And as an added bonus, every two weeks, I'm posting brand new content on Cryptid Tales, where I will get into some of the spookier legends and folklore from around the world and tell the stories that go with them. Find us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio and check out Cryptid Tales today. Drop a comment and let me know what you want to hear. See you there. For the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. The Space Travelers Club is a place where you can interact with other listeners, either live during the show or on our great forum. We want your stories, pictures, comments, and ideas. You'll get live video streams, exclusive content, and be a part of our newsletter. Stay in touch with everything SOR. The Space Travelers Club is just 5 bucks a month at spacedoutradio.com. At spacedoutradio.com, we have a little bit of everything for you to stay up late. So while you're there, check out our SOR Newswire, where our team brings you stories of the weird and strange to the WTF from around the globe. News on Bigfoot, UFOs, paranormal, Darwinian-type crime tales. It's the stories that the mainstream media usually won't touch. Well, we got them all on the SOR Newswire, only at spacedoutradio.com. Come hang out with me, Little Richie G, as I take over the airwaves on Spaced Out Saturdays. 
This is Rich Giordano, and I'm going to bring you the most fun on the radio you can have with your clothes on. We're going to get to the heart of the subjects from UFOs to what's going on in the paranormal and everything in between. So come join me at spacedoutradio.com starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern for the fastest three hours of your week. Welcome back to Spaced Out Sundays. I'm your host, Everett Themer, and thanks for wrapping up your holiday weekend with us. We welcome back everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates, KDNF AM 1560 in Dangerfield, Texas, KDUN AM 1030 in Reedsport, Oregon, KZFX 93.7 FM in Ridgecrest, California, WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia, and UPRN 107.7 FM in New Orleans. On the digital side, we are on Kingdom of Nye Radio and Revolution Radio. And don't forget, you can always check out our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Just do us the favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to some Bumblefoot, shopping in the SOR vault, reading up on the SOR newswire that Captain Shirk works so hard to put together, and so much more. Before the break, we were talking with KD about the idea of, of different beings communicating through spirit or ghost boxes. And, and before we move on, I want to ask you, have you ever gotten something that seems like it could be an alien response? I definitely have. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny that you asked that because just last night, <clears throat> my wife was actually talking to something on um one of the boxes that i built her and she was it it had mentioned the word stars and then it gave like a call sign i can't remember exactly what the the letter number sequence was it was like a sequence of letters and numbers and then oddly enough it said lazar and we're not talking about during like coast to coast am time frame we're talking like 9 p.m um you know and and so i wouldn't imagine too many people be talking about bob lazar at 9 p.m you probably only get that during the the late night talk show hours and you know it's just kind of funny we got the we got the star and we got this this call sign or this this um sequence this number sequence number letter sequence it was almost like a and she wrote it all down and she's doing some research on it trying to figure out you know if it was if it if it actually gave us like um like like a discovered star or something was it and, a long um, sequence of numbers and letters or was no it, like it was a, like um no it was like you know i always think of the the um the that was was the the one the first star that the guy found that was um by the by the 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 pull of the on the star by the 
planet passing the star. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, there's like a whole effect that it's called. But um, <clears throat> it was something Gleese 33B or something like that. It was like a really simple letter number sequence. It was, so it's just like three or four letters and then three or four numbers. Oh, and, that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. And um, so I took that as sort of an extraterrestrial response. You know, like it was, it was so weird that it said star gave this, this, this call sign or this, this number sequence. And then oddly enough, Lazar, which is, you know, Bob Lazar, we all know who Bob Lazar is famous, famously worked at, or allegedly worked at uh, area 51 and had all this top secret information on, um, UFOs and extraterrestrials. So that was pretty interesting that you asked that question actually. Did this voice come through coming through sound human? Did it sound mechanical? Did it, it sound sounded alien? human? No, it sounded human, but it sounded like a like a strange. It wasn't like a normal voice. It was really low, really bassy, crackly, and it was the same voice when it said "star." It gave the number, and then it said "Lazar." It was the same voice, and you know you could explain that in different ways but <clears throat> to me just you know it, it seemed a little too dead on to be chance i'm going to ask a question a little bit out of left field here but within the ufo community the big topic is disclosure and and, and yes. discovering yep. aliens or, or 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 proving that they're there and tom's along yeah. Do you do you think? And I don't like. I said this is going to sound like it's coming from way out in left field. But do you think that if this technology can be used to communicate with aliens, that this would be one form of or one method where they would use to kind of uh, introduce themselves to people or or, or begin to make gradual contact? It could very well be. I mean, you know, if if they could talk to us through the radio waves in a way where we didn't even realize it, but they were kind of prepping us or grooming us for their arrival or their disclosure or however you want to put it, um, that that's a very good possibility, I'd say. I mean, that that only makes sense to me. Like, you would kind of soften the playing ground before you kind of step in, you know? I would just think that if they were doing that, then maybe some of the radio telescope arrays would pick up that signal as well. But, again, like we're, we don't know how their technology works. So is it even... Does it even begin originally as a radio signal you know what i mean is it right or does it begin as a, as a psychic um impression like there's a lot if we're talking extra extraterrestrial there's a lot of belief that they communicate by psychic means right like the grays they don't really talk a lot of people say that they just they they have the thoughts and they're like communicating but they're not speaking right so, in my mind, it's not a huge jump to believe that 
they could be psychically communicating through the radio waves also. Yeah, that Just makes like sense. Just like we could potentially, right. I want to switch gears sure. here a little bit and, and talk about something that I I think has dropped a little bit off the radar, and that is video ITC. Are you working on any experiments or, or any products on that? Because that is one of those things that it seems like it was hot there for a little bit, and then it just went away. Definitely, yeah. We're um, we're big fans of video ITC. So um, the video feedback loop is a huge part of that. Um, there's different methods that, that have been done over the years of video ITC or visual ITC. And, you know, that can range anywhere from somebody stirring a pot of water and shooting lasers into it to and taking pictures of that to, um, you know, video uh, like um, producing a video feedback loop and then um, keeping the, the images from that and going through that to uh, the, the sweeping TV and uh, the, the, which is basically a, a television ghost box sweeping through the different radio or television stations, like I said earlier. Um, so, yeah, we're and we're working on right now, we're working on a portable video feedback loop device that, because traditionally all we've been able to do is kind of sit in one spot and and uh, create this video feedback loop between the camera and a screen of some sort. And, um, you know, it's kind of a set deal, right? And it kind of takes up space. And But we're working on something right now that will that is portable so you can walk around with it and just kind of look ahead of you where you're going. So that'll be interesting to see how that comes up. Now, these video feedback loops originally... And and you can slap me for not remember. <clears throat> excuse me, re- not remembering the the year that this was kind of started. But originally, the idea was to to take a video camera and hook it up to a TV and point it at the screen of the TV, and this created yep. kind of a, a a feedback interference kind of situation where occasionally, quite literally, figures would seem to appear on the screen. Correct. Yes. Basically what you're doing is you're creating fractals. So you create this never ending. Well, you know, um, as long as the loops open, it's a never ending, um, spinning tunnel of the same image. Right. And it gets blurred into itself and it gets changed and warped into different, into different shapes. So basically the idea is, is kind of the same thing as, um, you know, recording for EVP is you put out this, this white noise. And in this case, it'd be a, a visual white noise. Right. And, um, so you produce this white noise, this visual white noise kind of carrier wave, like a visual carrier wave. And then you're, that basically gives what you're trying to communicate with a, visual medium for them to imprint their image on or you know a lot of times i'll ask for um i haven't had a whole lot of luck with it but i feel like maybe they could show us things um 
So I've, I'm, I'm really stuck on that. I don't know why. So I'm just kind of following it. But um, I have a, I have this, this this suspicion that they can show us things in there um, that they remember, <clears throat> or maybe maybe their old home, or or you know something that like a fond memory of theirs or something like that. Then maybe we could get a snapshot of that. So that's kind of what I'm shooting for with with what we're doing. And and yours is going to be a bit more portable. Yes, I'm trying to make it portable where it'll be more like a camera that you're walking around with and a screen and you're like looking at the screen and and you can see it in real time, but at the same time you're you also have the ability to record it also. It's it's going to be a, a kind of, it's kind of an undertaking, but yeah. <clears throat> now now one of the things that I've never seen with video ITC is audio will will you be able to add any audio or use a a ghost box in conjunction with it or or do anything like that yeah i plan on i plan on it having a ghost box um function also so i mean if you want you can turn it off but um i feel like if you're doing itc you might as well be doing itc right so um you know, for me, in my mind, running a video feedback loop, at the same time, I'm going to be running a ghost box. That's just kind of the way I do it. Or I'll be recording for EVP. But uh, I'm always going to be doing, like, typically two different forms of ITC kind of hand-in-hand. So it would be EVP, ghost box, or EVP recording and, and video ITC, or, you know, there's different combinations, but... Yeah, yeah, that seems like it would be a, a good way to correlate the evidence. If you were getting a, a figure on the screen and maybe a name or some sort of location or event coming through a ghost box of some sort, it seems to me that that would be a good way to kind of correlate the evidence together. Right. Uh, I agree with that. And that's um, – I always tell people, you know, a lot of people, they – they kind of um, sneer at, at the idea of ITC and, you know, I have to come back and remind them, well, you know, but you do believe in EVPs, right? And they're like, yes. So that means you believe in ITC because ITC kind of birthed the, the EVP method, you know, um, that was kind of the EVP work has its roots in ITC. So yeah, uh, hand in hand, the things work great together. Um, yeah, you do get val- validation from one tool that validates, a, you know, a response that you got on something else. And I see it all the time. And, um, yeah, it's great. So I'll, I'll definitely always be running two forms of ITC at, at the same time. Well, you, you mentioned the idea of maybe the the EVP people, try and say that real quick, uh, <laughs> sort, of, sort of sneering at, ghost box users do you think that that's just because it's an easy the idea of saying oh well you're just picking up radio frequencies and hearing what you want to hear or you're picking up random random words and and turning that into something do you think that's just an easy argument uh i do i think that's a really easy go-to um i i don't i'm not real i'm not real big on the community 
like putting down on any other form or method of research inside of the community. Like, you know, you can't have, we can't have people who are, who are more traditional. And I say traditional very loosely, like uh, EVP and camera based only like recorder camera. That's all I'm using. You can't have those people kind of fashion the, the ghost box people and vice versa for, you know, whatever reasons, because it's, First of all, it creates tension. And second of all, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like all these things kind of go hand in hand and they all deserve to be explored. And, um, yeah, it, it, if, you're, if you're hunting for ghosts, you have to be way more open-minded than, than, your, than your average person, I believe. Now, how far along are you on this video ITC, will people be able to get it? Can they get it? Cause I'm, I'm really curious to see this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll, um, I'm pretty far along on it. I'm working on right now, a, a good way to record the data and in a efficient manner. So, um, as soon as I can get it down to where I can record all of everything I'm getting, you know, onto some kind of easily transferable format and I get it all kind of boxed up and secured and everything and I get a little process going on. It may be a while before I actually am able to produce this thing, um, you know, for sale, but, um, I should have this one done you know, not too long after the first of this year. So there'll be, there'll be results from it probably around the first of the year. Now you're using a, uh, like a small portable T TV, right? Like one of those little five inch screen things that we kind of carried around back in the eighties. Now that that's the sweeping ghost box or the sweeping video ghost box. Okay. That's a little different. That's, but yes, that's what I'm using for that. Um, now that is actually going back to what we were talking about before with the validating one thing with the other. Um, that's actually something I'm trying to work in with the EVP sessions, especially because I feel like it has a, a really good place. Um, if you're, you know, conducting an EVP session, you might as well have this, this video form of ITC there with you. And, you know, you can take pictures of the screen while you're asking questions, ask, ask whatever you're talking to, to, manifest on the in the white noise on the tv or or what whatever your approach is there's lots of different little things you could do with that and um experiment with so uh, i think that's a that has a really good place in our our research um but yeah the video the portable video feedback loop device um it's going to be all, and more of an all-in-one type thing. So, yeah. Okay. I, I wonder... I, and, I don't know if I asked your question or not. But. <laughs> yeah. You did a pretty good job of it. I, I was just sitting here. I, I was kind of wondering, because when you describe these, I, I'm you know old. So I, I picture the old portable TV that's cumbersome and hard to move around, or those very small ones that are just yeah. slightly larger than like your typical handheld radio with like the three, I think it was a two or three inch screen. You had to pretty much hold it up to your eye to, to see it. 
But I was kind of wondering if in the future, if there would be some form of of tablet. And, and I hate to go down the route of putting an app on a tablet and, and use oh, man, it for ghost hunting. Oh, man, you want to use apps now? No, no, I don't. I, I, I really don't. I'm just kidding. But the idea of if there were just sort of random static playing across an app. Or, oh, see, now you got that word into my yeah, head. Yeah, see, now you're on the apps. You're on the app wagon. There's no yeah. coming back now. You know what? Maybe, maybe we should just stop this. Where No, we'll, we'll finish this one. If, if no, there was no, you're fine. No, essentially I get it, some, like, a, like a computer program. Yeah, just some white noise being displayed on a tablet if that would be mm-hmm. more portable and, and e- more easily recorded with, you know, with a small Go GoPro or, or some form of, of rig could be manufactured to, to use them together. But if that would get any kind of results, you know what? I like the way you think, uh, actually that is not a bad idea. They actually, there actually are a few apps. I'm going to use the bad word apps that, that, that do something similar. And yeah, I think it seems like you have a, a similar issue with apps as, as I have in the past. And I think that I, I had to get over, over the, the app thing because essentially an app is just an application. It's just a program. It's just running on your phone as opposed to like a tablet or a computer or whatever. And even on computers now, they're apps too. So, I mean, it's, they call them apps. So, um, I think my problem is, is trust. I have to trust somebody who's written this software for this program that they are not going to sneak something in on me. That's, that's going to trick me. And but, I think that's, that's go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. Fit, you uh, I was going to say, I think that's, that's like the, um, that's the biggest problem that a lot of us have with the apps, you know, is, is, is it entertainment purposes? Because most of them do say entertainment when you buy them. And then like, okay, if it's entertainment, if it's actually entertainment purposes, then you're probably going to sneak in like a ghost image or something on me, you know, and then I'm going to be tricked. I'm going to be made to look like a fool. And that's kind of, that was kind of my thing with it right. <clears throat> well not that i don't like a fool half time anyway but um you know i don't want to purposefully put myself in that situation if i if i can avoid it and, so, and i think that's the case though with so many of these apps people have gotten them and then later we find out that there's some sort of voice recognition or there's pre-programmed words or there's a data bank of information in there to draw from where you can't count on it to be reliable. Right. And that is, that is an issue. And I'm not saying that all apps are going to lead you in the wrong direction. I'm going to say the majority of apps are made purely for entertainment purposes. Okay, Um, Uh, Katie, I'm going to get you to hold on for one second. We're going to step out for our final break on Spaced Out Uh Sundays. I know, it went fast. (laughs) 
Hey, everybody. The SOR Space Travelers is open. For just 5 bucks a month, you can hang out with Dave and our crew privately in our members-only section. With your signing, you'll receive newsletters on what's going on with Spaced Out Radio. You'll have direct contact with the host during the show in our chat, live streaming videos, and a great forum for your posts and more. Become a space traveler now at spacedoutradio.com. You wanted new SOR gear, and now you can have it. The SOR Vault is fully stocked with t-shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and everything in between with great logos for you to choose from. So head on over to spacedoutradio.com, click on the SOR Vault, and go shopping. Pricing is quite affordable, and you can look good representing your favorite show. So go to our website and pick up your new SOR wear at the SOR Vault today. Hey, Spaced Out Radio fans. It's John Rezig, founder of the Chive and Chive Charities. We live in a world of mystery and uncertainty, which you guys know better than anyone. Sometimes you just need to be brought back down to Earth for a while. One of the best ways to stay grounded is to help out with your fellow Earthlings. And there's no more rewarding way to do that than to give through Chive Charities. Unlike many organizations, we don't necessarily aim to save the world, cure disease, or change the course of history. Our goal is to make the life of veterans, first responders, and those with rare medical conditions 10% happier. We do this by donating one grant item, ranging from dance to therapy programs to prosthetic limbs, to those who need it most. Chive Charities is nothing without our donors, an amazing group of underdogs helping underdogs. To contribute to Spaced Out Radio's official charity, head over to chivecharities.org and become a donor today. Move over, brother, and let me own Saturday night. This is Rich Giordano, and I'm inviting you to tune on in to Spaced Out Saturday starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. Eastern, where I'm going to bust open the lids on everything paranormal. Why? Because we want answers, and I'm the guy who's going to deliver those answers to you. Join the chat rooms, and we'll see you this Saturday. Just be there. No, really. Are you addicted to the woo? Good. Me too. This is Dave Scott, and you can woo it up with me every Monday through Friday, starting at 9.06 Pacific, 12.06 a.m. Eastern, for three hours of great entertainment in the subjects you love. UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, intuition, yes, we hit it all five days a week. Look for us at spacedoutradio.com, where together, my friends, we own the night. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Heading to Vancouver and looking for some great nightlife? The Moose Vancouver is the place to be. Catch a game on one of the big screens or just come rock out to your favorite 80s and 90s hair bands. Great food starting at $6.95. The Moose Vancouver is open until 2 a.m. nightly. It's easy to find near the corner of Nelson and Granville. The Moose Vancouver is the official rocking bar of Spaced Out Radio. 
Every night on Space Out Radio, we have places for you to hang out. Hi, this is Carl. Join our SOR Space Travelers group on Facebook for live chat. On Twitter, using hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you can also join us in our Spreaker chat room. Check us out on Instagram at Dave Scott SOR. All of our archives are free on YouTube at Spaced Out Radio. By the way, I'll be watching you at your window until you do. Bye! Are you having encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, or ufological that you cannot explain? Look no further than the SOR Sightlines Report, brought to you by the Experiencers Support Association. This is Ryan Stacy, head of the research association, TESSA. Soon on the Space Star Radio website, you'll be able to file your reports and have them researched for you. We are independent and ready to help Space Star Radio listeners today. Hello, this is your guitar man, Ron Bumblefoot Thaw, and I have to tell you, I love the response I get for Little Brother is Watching from Spaced Out Radio fans. It's amazing how music can inspire and make people think deeper about what's going on in the supernatural world. You can head over to my website, bumblefoot.com, to check out my music, my guitar workshops, my touring, even check out some of the hot sauces that I'm working on. And make sure you keep on listening, because with Spaced Out Radio, you know Little Brother is Watching. From the heartlands of Canada to beards around the world, we know how to take care of you. Fill your follicles with the Mighty Moose Beard Oil. All our oils and balms are handmade and 100% natural ingredients because we care about your beard. And hey, use the promo code SOR2019 and get your Mighty Moose Beard Oil today. You can check us out on our website, MightyMooseBeard.com. We're adding to the entertainment online for Spaced Out Radio. I'm Amber Beckard, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out Cryptid Tales, where I will take you on a journey into some of the strangest legends and lore from around the world, relaying the stories to you of the strange creatures and experiences that people have had throughout time. You can find Cryptid Tales at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our free archives and leave a comment. See you there. Welcome back to the final segment of Spaced Out Sunday. I'm your host, Everett Themer, and thank you for spending your evening with us. Don't forget, if you've missed any part of the show, you can check out our archives, which are always free, at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Just do us the favor and hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to some Bumblefoot, shopping in the SOR vault, reading up on the Newswire, and joining the Space Travelers Club, where for five bucks a month, you're going to get a ton of fun stuff. Now, we're, we're talking with K.D. Stafford, who is most known for his role or his work on Ghosts of Morgan City. And, you know, K.D., we've been talking, and, and we haven't even touched on, on the TV show yet. I mean, we, we've just been kind of rambling yeah. around. So I want you to... all around it. Yeah, yeah, which which is a terrible thing to do. So, 
tell us a little bit about the show and how you came and became involved in it. Well, the, uh, I first got contacted. Um, it was uh, around fall of last year, and uh, they were like, "Hey, we saw some of your stuff, and we were just wondering if we could talk to you." I'm like, "Okay." I had never pursued like being on TV or anything. I just never kind of saw myself as, as doing that. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I got this message from these people and they wanted to talk to me and they said they were with, you know, um, the travel channel. And I was like, Oh, cool. Okay. So talked to them and they said that they had seen during, a um, another, interview where they were interviewing another person for another part in the show um they saw some of my equipment on the shelf and it just happened to be one of those things was the helmet was one of my helmets that i had made and uh so they were intrigued so they did a little i did a little interview uh what, what do you call that a uh, audition and um they didn't say anything to me actually <laughs> until the last minute and i was like you know maybe i should call these people and see if like they ever decide anything because i had a couple people call me and they were like um you know i got a letter in the mail saying that i didn't get it or whatever and so did you get it and i'm like i haven't got anything i don't know and so i decided to call them i called them and they were like oh yeah we decided to use you. So, uh, like three weeks, we're going to start filming. So we're going to need you in Louisiana. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So nice of them to give you a yeah, heads up. Yeah, right. Uh, I had a short notice, but I pulled it off, got everything ready, got everything together. Um, went down and, and yeah, everybody, everybody's great. Uh, the show, it was great filming for the show. Um, that, that first, investigation we did um out at the uh lake lake pollard that's how you pronounce it pooler pollard one of those um man that was that was a very interesting night to say the least uh that was the ada labeouf episode and um i had used the pgg which is you know, I just kind of, I took, I took a, a, what was a, what was originally a three-dimensional, um, ITC experiment that I had, I was working with and, um, I took it all and put it in a box and basically it was a three-dimensional white noise generator that, uh, we were, that I intended to use as an ITC device. And, um, it also had a high voltage EM pump on it with a Jacob's ladder built onto it. And, uh, yeah, so it basically pumped out a whole bunch of fog and it fired a whole bunch of different light types of light and stuff through the, through the fog. And then, the um, Jacob's ladder would be running, you know, providing that, that, um, electromagnetic field boost for whatever we were trying to communicate with to just kind of give them some juice to, to manifest. And it worked. Um, me and Jeremy both saw the same thing from different angles. 
And, you know, it, from that point forward, it was, it was a pretty interesting ride. Well, the general concept of the show is this this town or this area, Morgan City, Louisiana, there is a, quite a bit of really strange paranormal activity going on in the area, so much so that yes. that the, the police department was getting calls. Yes. Regarding that, some of the stuff, because it, 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 it seemed to be just at times that violent, that, that frightening, that weird. And, and that's kind of what kicked off the show. Yeah. Yeah. They were actually getting police calls. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting some of the great police officers of Morgan city. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you talk to these guys, it was real. It wasn't like, you know, some made for TV stuff. These, these guys were legitimately like, did not know what was going on. And in, in some of these cases, and we're, and we're, and we're genuinely spooked. And, um, you know, they're human just like we are, but, um, you know, these, these are some, a lot of these guys are pretty hardcore guys, you know, and they're, they're not the type to get spooked at something unless it's something you know, and just to get their stories and to, to to see these dudes who are, who seemed impenetrable, not want to go into a house or not want to go into this location because it spooked them so bad. It was very awakening, I guess. Now, what kind of feeling does the town have? I, I've watched the show and I will say that you know, one of the things that I like is that you guys kind of bring bring the history of the town alive and and make the history very much part of the story, which it seems like so many of the the shows today, they kind of skip over that and, and focus just on, on what they're trying to find or what they're trying to do. But that town, I imagine, has to have a, a very strange feel to it. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's especially some places in the town that are very, have a very weird feel like the, uh, that downtown, the downtown, uh, square is a very interesting place. Um, that's where the last episode was, uh, was filmed out there where Jeremy wore the helmet. Um, yeah, it is, there was definitely, now a lot of these places have been, calm down i could tell you that by our uh work that we did there um but yeah definitely when we got there there was definitely a lot of weird happenings and places that were really ominous feeling and that's not to say that there aren't still some of those places but you know left but we definitely hit on i think the a lot of the the um more threatening parts of their paranormal activity. Now you, excuse me, you were the, the technical guy on the team. So you, you were able to kind of bring a lot of your ideas and experiments and equipment to the show. What, what equipment did you bring and, and how, how was it being able to work with it in the field? Well, I actually brought all of my equipment. Um, 
Uh, I brought everything, everything we used, you know, the rim pots, all that stuff. That was all, that was all part of my arsenal. And, um, yeah. And, and to get to use some of my newer experimental stuff, like to get to use the helmet actually out in the field again. And for, you know, I, I, I'd known Jeremy, but I didn't know him that well. And so to get somebody who, um, almost a almost a, a separate separate from my circle that I was used to working in to use the helmet and get some feedback from from that aspect was definitely great um I got to use the the PGG on the first episode and that was awesome so yeah I got to I got to field test a lot of my equipment and it most of it worked perfect it worked great I don't want to say perfect, but it worked great. <laughs> what, what is the PGG? Now the PGG. Okay, the name's kind of kind of funny, but it stands for Photonic Ghost Generator, and that was basically. Remember, I said that we had. Um, it was a project. It was like an experiment that I had decided, or that we had decided to box up, right? And so we had to name it, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, so we just kind of light, use light. We're looking for ghosts, and it produces light and to to help you see ghosts. So that's kind of what we, what we went with was a photonic ghost generator, PGG. That makes sense. So yeah, I mean you got to name it. Got to name it something, right? <laughs> so. What? Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was, and, uh, to get to use the, uh, Necrocom X, which was the bigger ghost box that, that I used in that, um, in the show. That was, that was awesome. And that thing produced results multiple times. So I was really happy with that. Yeah. We, we've talked a lot about ghost boxes tonight, but we haven't talked about your Necrocom X. Can you, can you describe that and tell us a little bit how it's different from so many of the other things out there? Yeah, well, the Necrocom X is kind of, at that point, was a culmination of everything that I had done, ghost box-wise. So I had, like, two different ghost box circuits built into it. I had um, I had your, your effects, your different effects you could add to it. I had a, a reverse audio effect. Um, you could run through it. Um, it had the the noise killer if you wanted to silence the noise a little bit or the static a little bit. Um, but it also had another thing, which I think is very, very useful in a ghost box. And that's the, it has the reverb tank in an actual physical, physical spring reverb tank in it. And so I uh, came up with a way to drive the tank with, uh, the audio from one of my ghost boxes that was built into it. And, um, I mean, the results were pretty, pretty great. Um, what you ended up with was this, this ghostly, um, reverb. Uh, it was, I don't, I don't want to say it was saturated in reverb because this thing had three different speakers on it. Okay. And two of the speakers would play the reverb, um, sound of the ghost box and the one speaker in the center will play the pure audio so you were getting your static and your 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 clean 
uh, radio suite, but also mixed in with that <clears throat> ambiently, you know, like in the air around you, instead of um, mixed in a circuit, uh, you were getting also that, that reverb uh, deep sound from the spring reverb tank. And I think that may have contributed to getting those responses that we did when we were down there. So it worked out pretty good. So you used physical reverb, not not electronic reverb. Yes, yes. Do you think? Do you, and we we talked about apps in the previous segment, but do you think that there's a a benefit to using physical reverb versus an app, or was there a difference? Do you think that that it provided a different type of result? Uh, I think that potentially there may be an added level of ability by using that spring reverb tank because it it also provides like a physical means for something to interact with the spring setup inside of the tank. You know, and if, if we believe in that things can interact physically, right, then you're looking for something that could potentially pick up the most subtle of uh, kinetic um, motion or response, right, or or interaction, something to physically interact with it. So, I think that those the spring setup inside of there was was just right, and it and it really contributed to getting some responses that we might not have gotten had we not used that spring reverb tank. So I think that physical aspect of the spring may have contributed. Oh, I can understand that, especially after our, our discussion of my, I guess my dislike of apps, your, your dislike of apps. It seems like something physical like that would be, uh, would be good to try and use if you could. Right. Yeah. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, yeah, especially nowadays when everything's digital. So now going into Morgan City, what was the general feeling of the town? How did the people who lived there feel about you guys coming in and filming this TV show? You know, did they take it as an invasion? Were they happy to see you guys? I think for the most part they were really happy to see us. I I never had a negative interaction from anybody um, that was down there. Uh, there were some things said online, but, you know, take those with a grain of salt. But for the biggest, for the most part, it was, it was, um, it was a overwhelming positive thing. So, yeah, I mean, I still interact with a lot of those people that, you know, that are from, that live in Morgan city right now. To this day so you know i talked to them online or there's the group the ghost of morgan city group on facebook and they're all just one big happy family on there so yeah i thought it was i thought it was overall a positive experience um i think we helped them we helped a lot of the the situations that were happening down there so while you were down there what was the most frightening most bizarre case or, or, or series of events that you guys worked on and filmed? 
Oh, let's see. I'm going to say the Irish Bend episode was for me personally, that was the most, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. That was probably the most powerful. Um, no, I don't want to say frightening cause it wasn't scary. Um, it was, it was the most powerful interaction with anything that I had happened to me down there was during that episode because that was, that was when, uh, we were at the LA house and, um, and I was actively communicating with another soldier, a union soldier that had died there and been buried in a mass grave. So, and I really felt like a connection there between me and, and this other soldier <clears throat> and i mean we got it on the sls cam simultaneously while i was talking to this thing through the ghost box so yeah that was that was probably the most powerful moment for me we got about five minutes left before we have to clear out of the cabin here but uh you kind of came into this on accident you weren't really looking to be on tv you were just developing your equipment and, and experimenting and, and doing your thing. How did you, did, did, did filming this video or not this video, but filming this TV series change your views on how paranormal television is made at all? Did it, did it change your views or influence your views on the paranormal in general? What was it like to be a part of this team? It was overall like one of the best things I've ever done. It was, and stuff's falling behind me right now. I don't know why. <laughs> it was, um, it, it was overall one of the, like I said, one of the best things I've ever experienced. I mean, like the people were great. You know, Ben is great. Sarah is great. And, you know, I made a lot of good friends that, that I don't see ever going away. And, um, you know, as far as the paranormal side of it goes, it showed me that, you know, you, you always hear a lot of the, a lot of people say, Oh, the shows are all fake shows are all fake. That may be true with some of the shows, but at least now I know that some of them are not all fake. Cause I can tell you 100% that everything that I experienced in Morgan city was definitely not fake. So it added that layer of realism, I think for me. Um, so I can, I can, honestly go around saying it's not fake and you know feel good about it <clears throat> that, that, and that's, um that's good to hear yeah yeah but, i mean it's yeah sa- I, don't, sa- I have no problem saying it's not fake sadly katie we are just about out of time so can you ah. tell i know it went really fast and it'll <laughs> probably continue on long after the show is over but can you tell people where they can find your your work, your materials, what you're up to next? Yes. Uh, we have a website, but it's not up and running yet. It's supernaturalinc.com, Supernatural Inc. with a K at the end, I-N-K. And um, also we have our Facebook page, which is kind of what we're running, what we've been running off of pretty much forever, and that's Supernatural Inc., I-N-K. Uh, on Facebook, you know, just type that in, search, there you are. Um, there's my person, my fan page is just KD Stafford. 
Um, and I'm very accessible. So you just hop on there and, you know, shoot me a message or whatever. And I can, I'll probably be back to you in an hour or so. Um, yeah, so we do lots of things. Uh, we, we go to lots of events, you know, build a lot of, lots of different types of equipment. Um, we do a lot of public ghost hunts where, you know, uh, we try to help support historic sites and go and uh, kind of lead a ghost hunt and sell tickets. And Excellent. Yep, so there you go. Katie, I got to cut you off because we got to get out of here. That's cool, we, man. I got it. We've got <laughs> Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Fall rocking in the background. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. A special thank you to everyone listening in at home, in your cars, at work, and in our chat rooms, wherever you may be. Remember, this show is copywritten by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thanks for sharing your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. (gasps) A McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. (gasps) A McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.